Well, good morning, church family. Great to see you today. Those of you who are on site, those of you who are online, good to be together. We are five days from Christmas, right? Five days. Kind of crazy that it's here already. And one of the things about Christmas that's really special is it's a time when we really celebrate uh, God's love. And even during Christmas, we kind of up our love game, even uh, in our own lives and families, the way we express love through gifts and all other special uh, ways we communicate love as far as like notes and cards and home-baked goodies and spending time. Like really, it's a, Christmas is a time where we up our game of giving and expressing love, which makes sense when we think more deeply about Christmas because it's a time where we celebrate the most loving gift humanity has ever received. Jesus Christ God giving us his son, the birth of Jesus Christ, the best gift, the most perfect gift, the most loving gift that humanity has ever received. And by the way, when I'm talking about love, let's just make sure we have a a real significant understanding of the word. Because anytime you use a word like love, that's a loaded word. It has a lot of different ways to understand. So I'm not talking about warm feelings I'm not talking about infatuation or attraction when we talk about love. Uh, we often get confused when it comes to the word love because our English language and our entertainment media outlets, music, shows, whatever we watch, have trained us to think of love as merely strong affection, which, you know, it definitely is involved, strong affection is involved, but when you think about it, you can have strong affection for ice cream, right, or coffee, or your dog, or good weather, or that cute boy across the room, or cute girl across the room. We know that's not really love. That's a shallow understanding. It's incomplete. It's too self-focused. That kind of love tends to focus on whatever or whoever will give me happiness, give me worth, give me value, give me pleasure, give me my needs met. A more mature and biblical understanding of love is an unselfish, committed, sacrificing generous, other-focused dedication to the needs of someone else, even if I don't feel like it. And love is, as God spells out in 1 Corinthians 13, a patient, kind, non-envious, non-boastful, non-resentful, non-arrogant, non-rude, non-self-seeking, non-irritable, hate, wrongdoing, love, truth, enduring, willful choice to give to the object of your love. And the thing is, God created us with a longing for that kind of love, a longing to receive that kind of love and an ability to communicate and give that kind of love to others, a capacity for it. But for some of us, we find it easier to do one more than the other, to give or receive love. In fact, I just want to have a moment here where we we talk about that. And so all of you online with those in your room, I'm going to give you uh, you about 20 seconds here to talk about this question. Those of you in the room, talk about it with someone next to you. Share your opinion. If you don't have someone close, just be thinking about it. But how would you answer this question? Which do you think is easier to do? To give love or receive love? All right? So just think about that for a minute. Talk about it. Right? Talk about it with the people next to you. Think about it if you're by yourself and at home. Just take, take a second and talk about it. Right? Which is easier, to give love or receive love? Go. Well, the online group is still probably talking about it. I just want to pull the people in the room for a second. How many of you would say, I think, I think it's easier to, to give love? Okay? How, many say, just, okay. how many say, I think it's a little bit easier to receive love? Okay. All right. Here's the right answer. We don't know. I'm just trying to give you one more thing to fight about in 2020, right? 
It's about giving love. No, it's about receiving love. Let's burn something. You know, like, come on. Um, no, this, this, this is, everyone's going to probably tilt one way or the other, though, depending on your background, your experience, whatever. And so some of you might find it harder to give love because you've been hurt, because of selfishness, because of pride um, or fear. Or maybe some of you uh, find it harder to receive love because of, um, uh, you know, doubt, shame, or feeling like you don't deserve it. And, and it doesn't really matter, but the, 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 the point is God has given us a love that he gives and a love that we can receive. And we think about this at Christmas. Christmas is a time where we're reminded of this love of God that he gives us that can be received through faith in his son, Jesus, the one who was born, who lived, who died, who rose. And so I just want to look at that a little bit closer with you this morning. So I invite you right now to get out your Bibles, uh, your Bible apps, and open up to the book of 1 John chapter 4. This is near the back of your Bible, right? One of those uh, little books as you're getting close to Revelation. And so you're in 1 John chapter 4. And we're just going to look at two verses this morning together. And as you're turning there, I will say this, this is not one of your traditional Christmas passages. A lot of times your traditional Christmas passages concentrate on the, the events of Christmas, the what happened. This is more about the motivation of Christmas. Like why? Why do we have Christmas? Why do we celebrate? Why did it happen? And so let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 together. And here's what we find. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I want to read it again. And just to really lean into this understanding of love, whenever we come to the word love or a form of the word love, uh, I want you to read it out loud, nice, nice and loud with me, okay? Let's look at it again. In this is the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's pray. God, what a great morning to wake up, to gather online and in this room and really concentrate and focus on your love. We know that Christmas is this massive expression of love, that when we, when we take everything out of the picture, when we get past the wrapping paper and the decorations and the lights, when we get past the food, when we get past even the manger scenes, the nativities, and we really look closely at the Christmas story, we realize that love is at the foundation. So God, I pray for those people who are watching or in this room that don't have a relationship with you, that do not trust Christ yet, that you would help them understand the love that you have for them and they would take a step toward Christ today, maybe even place their faith in Christ today. And God, for those of us who know you, God, that you would refresh an understanding, give us a fresh awe, move our hearts in fresh ways when we think about how much you loved us and what lengths you went to to show us that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. We all said. Well, I think when you look at these verses, it provides four reminders about God's love that we can keep in mind in Christmas. Every day, really, but especially at Christmas. First, we're reminded of love's source. Like, where did love come from? Okay, so if you believe in evolution, let's say, did love just kind of, you know, ooze into, you know, uh, life somehow and, and, you know, certain chemicals fire and whatever, and that, that's all it is? 
Uh, is this some sort of cosmic force that you kind of tap into? Like, love had to come from somewhere. Well, we see it right here where love came from. In verse 9, it says, this is the love of God. Verse 10 speaks about he loved us. See, the ability to give love and receive love are found in the one who invented love, the one who love originates in. And so if you were to actually look at verse before uh, the ones we read in 1 John 4, 8, it says there that God is love. Love is part of God's character, part of his nature. So the source of love is God himself. And his love is a love that cannot fail. It won't run out or be depleted. His love knows no limits. His love is pure. It's holy. It's perfect. He loves perfectly. There are no boundaries that keep God's love out. And from eternity past, long before we were ever created, the one true God existing in three distinct personhoods has had love as one of his primary attributes. God the Father, loving God the Son, loving God the Spirit, loving God the Father, loving God the Son, loving God the Spirit for eternity. And then he brought us onto the scene. And because he's love, We've been made in his image, and now we have this ability to experience his love, to receive it, and really to, to give it back to him. We were created by God to love him back. And then we also have this capacity now to, to really take the love he's given us and now give it, although flawed, right, in broken vessels, give it to others. All of this is from God. And so God initiated love. God's the one that brought it to us, which is really interesting because if you think harder about religion, like the religious mindset, religion says that God will love you if you change, right? That God will love you if you become acceptable, become lovable. So religion says God will love you if you change, but if you study the gospel, it says God will change you because he loves you. And so we see how the love, the source of love, works differently than we typically think of it working I like what a man named Charles Octavius Booth said. He's a theologian from the early 1800s, 1900s. And uh, in a little book called Plain Theology for Plain People, he says, the purpose of grace had its origin in the love of God. So when you think about all of God's grace, all of God's goodness, all of God's gifts that come to you, what's at the foundation? It's love. It's God's love. And so God initiated. He didn't wait for us to be ready. God didn't wait for us to have our act together. God didn't wait until we kind of signaled and said, okay, I'm ready to be loved now, right? He just loved us. He loved us when we weren't interested in his love. He loves us when we're unworthy of his love. He loves us when we don't feel like we deserve his love. And he loves us even when we're unlovable. And let's not kid ourselves. All of us do a pretty good job of having moments of being unlovable, right? And God goes, I still love you. I still love you. And so he's the source. So we look at this passage, we think about Christmas, we think about the source of love, and that's the Lord. We're also thinking about the, uh, reminded of love's target. Love's target. So the love's not just hanging out there, he aims it now. He aims it somewhere. Where does he aim it? Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Right? Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us. We're the target of God's love. Humanity, God, God aims his love at humanity and we're the target. And our sin and our suffering and our need and our inability to love God back drew down God's love for us. And so we embrace it. 
And when we do embrace God's love, we learn the depth of God's love for sinners, which we all are. When you think back to the Christ child that came over 2,000 years ago, God wrapped in flesh, the incarnation, it was God's massive love gift. Once you think about some of you have been wrapping Christmas presents lately, and you think about the little tags that you put on, on the Christmas gifts. You know, some of us are just all business, you know. To mom, love, you know, right? Just uh, Some of you, you're like, you're writing notes, you know, you're flipping it over, and you just keep going. If, if we looked at the manger and the gift that the manger held, it would basically say, to you, love God, or from God, with love. We're the target. He aims his love at us. And ever since Jesus' birth, God's love became very real. And what I especially like about the love of God is even from the birth of Christ, all the way through his life and his ministry, is God had a way of showing love to people who weren't accustomed to being loved. Shepherds, the sick, the outcast, the lowly, the needy. We're the targets of this amazing love. And when you realize God's love is aimed at you and you surrender to it, it will absolutely wreck you in a good way. Like, come on, we've got this you know, mythological little troublemaker, cherub, you know, uh, Cupid shooting little arrows trying to get people to fall in love, right? That's not what we're talking about with God. We're talking about more like the launching of a nuclear missile that when it hits you, <laughs> it absolutely just obliterates any defense you have about why God exists, why God shouldn't love you. It humbles you, and His love invades your heart and your mind and your will and your soul, and He takes over you in a good way and transforms you from the inside out. That's what happens when you embrace this love that's aimed at us, that's targeting us. And so we have the source of love, which is God. We have the target that we see here it came among us, among us, humanity. And then we're also reminded of love's action. Not only do we have a source of love, God himself, not only is his love aimed, but then love take action. It took action. We know that love is, it falls short with just mere words. It falls short with just mere in, um, intentions. It actually has to take action. And so we see the action. Look again at verse 9. You see how we're just ringing these verses out right now. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest, brought to life. The love of God was brought to life. Look at verse 10. It says, he loved us and sent his son. God is love, and he communicates his love, not in just mere words, but in action. And the action we see is that he sent his son. Now, I was in the store a couple weeks ago, going through the Christmas aisles, and I saw this um, picture that was there. It was like a framed photo. Love was born at Christmas. And of course, my mind was toward this message, and I was like, yeah, 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 maybe, maybe I'll buy that, use it as an object lesson, you know, talk about God's love. And then I just started thinking about that, going, wait a minute. It's actually not accurate. Like, you ever notice that? You get these little things on Pinterest, you get these little things, and you go like, oh, that's a great saying. But if you start to think a little more critically about it and put your theological lens on it, you go, wait a minute, that's not accurate. Like, what's wrong with that? Some of you are going, I don't know. <laughs> Love wasn't born at Christmas. Love already existed. Love was sent. Love was sent on Christmas. It wasn't like love came out of, oh, birth of Christ. There was no love before that moment, Right? 
So, so really, love was sent at Christmas. So there I am in the, in, the, in the aisle with a Sharpie pen, right? And I'm trying to fix this thing for these people. Hey, just hold on one minute. I'm just going to fix this for you. No, I'm not doing that. But that's, that's what we would do. Love was sent. Took action. It was God's action. The sending of Jesus was God's mission to make known to us His love. And His love was manifested in the flesh, tangible, visible, um, embodied, one commentator said, babies are born into the world, but only Jesus was sent into the world. I love that. So when we come to Christmas, we're not all like, oh, love was born. That sounds cute. It's just wrong. This is God's love in action. And it shows us the lengths God will go to for us to know him personally, for us to know him relationally. He says, I'll send you to tell you. I'll send you to show you. You know, studying for this triggered a memory of mine from many years ago, and it just took me right back. I was right there like I was there yesterday. I was in a living room of a home in South Africa. And we were there with a team of people, and we were training people how to share their faith and just sharing Christ with people. And we were there with this man who had visited a local church recently, filled out a card, and gave permission for people to come visit. And so there we were visiting in his home, and we are telling him about Jesus. And as we're talking, I feel like the Holy Spirit just gave me a download. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I just looked at this guy as we were talking about Jesus, and I said, God loved you so much that he sent me from the United States to South Africa to tell you that he sent his son from heaven to earth because he loves you. And I remember that man through tears saying, I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. And right there, what a joy just to watch, you know, be on the front row of a man just giving his life to Jesus because he realized the sending power that was illustrated when Christ came that illustrated God's love so perfectly. And if God the Father would send God the Son all the way from heaven to earth as a real person, don't you think God the Holy Spirit will do anything in his power to make Jesus real to you? See, celebration, uh, Christmas is a celebration for those of us who already know Christ, of what he did, of who he sent. And for those who don't know, it's an invitation that's still out there and available to respond to. And just on that note, I would just say, my brothers and sisters, you don't have to go to another country to tell people that Jesus was sent by God out of love. You can go next door. You can go on a Zoom. You can use FaceTime. You can write a note. You can do it at work. You know, you can do it at the fire station, right? Everywhere. You can always be telling God about people about God who loves them, wherever we're at. And so God is the source of love. We're the target of his love. His love is put into action when he sent his son. And what's the result? It's like, so what? So he sent Jesus. What's the result? What's the outcome? Well, we see now the reminder of love's outcome. Verse 9. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So that we might live. God made us, created us, to experience his love forever. Wrap your mind around this. There is no expiration date on God's love for you. He's just going to love you. He's not going to stop. And I think the reality is all people are alive. But not all people are really living in the biblical sense. Because you can be existing but not be experiencing the life that God has you for. And so last week we talked a little bit about that, the abundant life, right? Jesus came to give us life and an abundant life here on earth, but also an eternal life. 
that when, when it's over here, there's a home waiting for us. And so we're busy loving the Lord and living for the Lord here, knowing that when this life is over, we're going to be at home with the Lord forever. Abundant life, eternal life, that's a win-win when you love the Lord and follow Christ. That's the outcome. And so Jesus was sent by his Father to bring that life. And what's interesting is Christ turns mere existence and abundant into abundant and eternal life, but it doesn't come without a sacrifice. See, God sent his son on a life-saving rescue mission. Because whenever we think about the manger that held Jesus, we quickly start to think about the cross that held Jesus right after that. And we think about the one that was born. That supernatural birth was given to us so that we could have a supernatural birth as well, right? a spiritual birth. But it wasn't going to happen without a death. But why death? Why did Jesus have to die? Because of our sin, because of our disobedience, because of our rebellious nature and our defiance. So you have to step back and realize the nature of God. So God is loving, but God is also just. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And every day, many times a day, we sin against a holy, righteous God. And so he is going to bring a solution to this problem, and it's going to have to be death. Look at verse 10. It says that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. This is the outcome of love. Some of you have studied propitiation. You know what this means. Some of you are going, I don't even know how to say it, let alone what it means. See, pr propitiation means to appease or to satisfy so if you go out to breakfast afterwards and you have food, at the end you're going to be given a bill that you're going to have to pay to satisfy the debt you owe the person who cooked the food and owned the restaurant, right? You're kind of giving propitiation. <laughs> it's, you're satisfying what is owed. And so you just have to put that on a whole other mega level when you understand why we owe God because of our sin. So let's just say for as an illustration Every sin you ever committed, I've used this illustration, but it's been a while, so I'm bringing it back. Uh, let's say that every sin you've ever committed is recorded in a book. Let's just say that, all right? Every bad thought, every bad word, every act of rebellion, every you know, wrong choice, every temptation you gave into, you know, everything. What if, what, if, what if everything that you did was put in a book, okay, and recorded? And so here's the situation. Here you are. And here's God. And because of his nature, he loves you. He loves you like we've been talking about. The problem now is that you've got sin, right? Because some of you are looking at this book, like I'm looking at Brian back there going like, okay, if I'm going to use this book for Brian's life, I probably need to upgrade a little bit. So, so, all right. I can pick up my brother a little bit here. <laughs> Don't laugh online. People online, yours would be way bigger. Okay. I would use mine except to be like a volume, right? Okay, so here's, the, so here's, here's a little bit probably more realistic. God loves you, but he has sin. God's nature is righteousness. It's holiness. Therefore, what does God have to do to the sin? Punish it. His wrath has to be poured out on the sin. Problem is, the sin's on you. So therefore, before you know Christ, God's love is aimed at you, but guess what else is aimed at you? His wrath. 
because of sin. See, Jesus coming and then going to the cross, when he died on the cross, your sin was nailed to him. He became the propitiation. He became the one who was going to appease and satisfy God's wrath on sin. And then when he put it in the grave, he put it in the tomb with him, and then he rose from the grave. Now what is in between you and God? Nothing. Jesus came as the propitiation. He satisfied God's wrath for your sin. And so when you place your faith in Christ, when you trust Jesus, you get into the relationship with God. And then you experience that love. Some of you are stuck here. Like you haven't crossed the line yet. Like what's holding you back? Is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it control? Is it pride? That's the outcome of God's love. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. You know, Jesus said in 15, John 15, 13, it's recorded, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You know how much God loved you? Enough to lay down his life for you, to die for you, to take the price. The late Billy Graham, incredible evangelist, he often said something like this, God proved his love on the cross. When Christ hung and bled and died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. I remember years ago, and I don't know who said it first, but I remember a couple of different pastors and preachers, and you've probably seen this too, when you're questioning how much God loves you, you think about Jesus stretched on the cross. How much does God love you? This much. This much. That's the outcome. That's the outcome of God's love. And Christmas reminds us of this. Christmas reminds us of the why of Jesus being born and remembering that God is the source of love. We're the target of his love. His love took action and Jesus was sent. Love was manifested. Why? So that he could be the propitiation of our sin. That was the outcome. So we could have life, abundant life and eternal life. That's what's at the heart of Christmas. And here we all are in 2020 going, this is probably not the Christmas we envisioned last year because we've had a weird weird year. It's been a very hard year for a lot of people. We've got COVID and racism and riots and election tensions and hurricanes and fires and deaths and corruptions and job loss and lockdowns and we can go on and on and on and on. But here's the reality. World events do not take away from the significance of Christmas. In fact, in light of world events, Christmas should shine even brighter. It should shine even brighter. And that's what we've been talking about these last three weeks. Like if you back up to two weeks ago, we see that the birth of Christ, right? Jesus came in the midst of darkness to give us light. Jesus came in the midst of death to give us life. And Jesus came in the midst of hate to give us love. Has anything that's happened in 2020 changed that? Has anything happened in your lifetime that's changed that? And guess what? Is anything going to happen in 2021 that's going to change that? Because don't think 21 is going to be walking the park, right? Let's be realistic. Every day, every month, every year has its challenges. Nothing is going to change that Jesus came in the midst of darkness to give us light. Jesus came in the midst of death to give us life. Jesus came in the midst of hate to give us 
love. That won't change. Christmas is a time where we're reminded of God's love and that he gives his love to be received through faith in Christ so we can experience him. What have you done with it? What's your response to this love? Well, let me give you three options today. The first is you can receive it. And I just want to speak to those online, here in the room. Maybe you're exploring faith. You're checking out God. You're checking out the church. You're checking out the Bible. But you realize you're the one that's here. <laughs> You've never crossed the line. Question for you. What's holding you back? What great love God has given you. What's, what's holding you back? Cross that line. You just have to pray. You just got to talk to God. You have to admit that you're a sinner. It's as easy as this. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave. And I commit my life to follow him. If you've never done that, do that now. Just tell God those things. I admit I'm a sinner. I'm believing in Christ. I'm committing my life to following him. And then you spend the rest of your life on earth growing and learning as you prepare for your eternal life while living an abundant life. So if you've never received that, I encourage you to do that today. The second is to rejoice in it. Let's just celebrate it. Some of our team was talking about this topic a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about, for those of us who know Christ, like now, this news that we've talked about, God's love, the sacrifice, it doesn't move us anymore. It has become old news, not good news. We're not overwhelmed by God's love. Like we need to be refreshed. We need to like rejoice in fact, like God loves me that way? Oh yeah. And all the other troubles are like overshadowed by the fact that if God loves you and if the only thing he did was send you Jesus, is that all you need? Is that enough to just know that you are deeply loved by God and he sent Christ to be a sacrifice for you to have access to him? If that's all God did, is that enough for us? What would we say? Yes. But then this little voice, well, but also it'd be nice to have. It's all we need. The reason some of you are not experiencing the love of God like you used to or you want to is because you stopped telling the story you're so far beyond the moment where you first realized the love of God for you. And now it's just old. It's unspectacular. A lot of you know our, a lot of you know our family said the blessing to grow through adoption, three beautiful children through adoption, each one with their own unique story. Even to this day, even though one's 18, one's 17, and one's 10 going on 11, I love to sit and talk about the first time we held you first time we heard you were coming, the first time we were able to do this, first, we go back and we relive the moments when we, we first came and just fell in love. When's the last time you told your story about realizing God's love for you and how you just fell in love with him? So I encourage you to do that. Some of you are like, well, I already know my spouse's story. Tell it again. Well, I already know my kid's story. Tell it again. Rejoice in this love of God. The third is to replicate it Receive it, rejoice in it, replicate it. If you were to keep reading in 1 John, verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This love that God gives to us is designed not to hoard. We don't hoard it to ourselves. We let it flow out to others. 
God gives us a supernatural ability to love people the way beyond how we could ever love them. And so you got to replicate that love. And so just what's a good next step for you? Well, if, if you need to receive Christ, um, and you've already, maybe you've taken that step today, we just want to encourage you, we want to celebrate that with you, and we want to walk with you. And so if you're here, on your way out by the table, just stop by and say, I'm receiving Christ today. Or if you're here or online, another way you could do that is use our response number. Just text the word Jesus. Just boldly punch in the word. Get your phone out right now. Pull up that response number, 440-276-5575, and say, Jesus, meaning I'm giving my life. I'm doing this today. Okay? Uh, Maybe this conversation um, has sparked some questions or needs, and you need to connect with a pastor or someone to encourage you, you can also text the word connect to that number and we'll get in touch with you. But, but let's, let's, let's take the next step of living out this love. I've got two questions for you to leave with today. The first question is this. Have you received Christ? So these are discussion questions. So whatever's next, car ride, lunch, brunch, whatever, ask these questions of the people you encounter over the next several hours. Like, have you received Christ? And elaborate. Yes, here's when. Yes, here's how. If, if the answer is no, it's okay to say, like, what's stopping you? And have the, have the conversation. So the first question for you, I'm giving you two today. Have you received Christ? Second, what's one way you can rejoice in God's love the next week? What's one way you can rejoice in the love of God this next week? And so for those of you on site, as you get ready to leave, take these questions with you and talk about them. Those of you that are at home right now, don't get up and start doing whatever's next. Hang out for a minute. Talk about these questions as we think about God's love at Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the reminder today of just how much you love us. There is no love like yours. All the other places we've tried to find love fall short. It's your love. Our hearts were designed by you, for you. We thank you that we get to experience love with our family, our friends, the special people in our life. We thank you for that gift. But God, your love is supreme. And without your love, we're empty and lost. Thank you for your love. Thank you that that love was aimed at us. And because of it, you took action and you sent your son. Thank you for Jesus being the wrath bearer on the cross for our sins. The greatest gift you've ever given humanity. Thank you for that. God, help us today to rejoice in it. Help us today to share that with others. And for those who've never placed their faith in you, may today be the day to take that step of faith and receive you as Savior. God, take our lives, use them for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, and we all sit together.